0: Ladies and gentlemen,
1: tonight, the reigning, defending, the defending, the defending, the defending,
0: defending, defending, undisputed, universal heavyweight champion. Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green, joined once again by Brett Barry. And Brett, I guess for the first time, maybe in a few weeks, we don't have any Arizona basketball recruiting news. But there are still some basketball news because Sean Miller talked, the NCAA made a determination or at least pushed deadlines back. So, yeah, we have enough for a show today, I think. I think so. And if not, we'll stretch it, you know, keep listening because we're going to let us know at the end of the show if you think, everyone, that we had enough for a show, right? Isn't that...
1: <laughs> <laughs> or or tell us how great we are.
0: That's a tease. <laughs> but, <laughs> Brett, let's let's get right into it. I guess the we're recording this on Wednesday, and the first bit of news was that we'll just kind of start from today on back, was the NCAA announced that they've pushed back the date where early entries into the NBA draft had to declare whether they're actually going to stay in the draft or decide to come back to college. Probably does not affect Arizona at all. I don't think there's any consideration that any of the trio is going to come back based on this, but it's not a bad move by the NCAA.
1: I mean, I think it was kind of a had to do by the NCAA. Even they couldn't screw this one up. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I agree. I don't think it changes anything for Arizona. Other than potentially, um, you know, the domino effect in terms of recruiting where if one guy decides to come back or leave for the NBA, that impacts where next year's commits might want to go, which then has a domino effect down the, down the line. Which, but even that, even that is somewhat negated by the fact that, like, uh, was it Deshaun Nix, um, yeah. some other high-profile guys are going the G League route or, you know, going, going atypical routes compared to the you know the the one and done or a few years in college route but I think that's where the most of the impact is going to be for Arizona but I even then it's too early in that process to really know what that impact is
0: yeah the, the date was going to be June 3rd it's not anymore it's just been postponed we don't know when it is going to be but to your point if if there are players out there who are kind of waiting to see what happens with rosters this probably only helps Arizona because Arizona's roster isn't they, they have one scholarship available right now um, and we'll touch on that a little bit too, because Sean Miller had some comments that left the door open for maybe another one. But Arizona's roster is pretty much set. There, you know who's going. I think that there's no. <laughs> can you imagine if like Nico Mannion and Josh, Green are like, "Yeah, we're gonna come back now." There's no. There's no room for them. So yeah, I guess. But, but if you're if you're say you were considering, let's just say Arizona State because that's a school that a lot of Arizona fans are familiar with. There's speculation that Remy Martin will come back. Alonzo Verge was testing the NBA draft, so he's gonna come back. Well, now they have more time to decide, more time to wait. If you're a player out there who's thinking of transferring to ASU or still signing with ASU, you don't know if that roster spot's going to be If you're a guard, who's to say that you'll have playing time? You don't know. So I I think you're right. I don't think this really impacts Arizona in any real significant way at all. But if anything, it probably hurts other schools, which in theory you could say in turn helps Arizona.
1: Yeah, suddenly our very large roster turnover – looks more set in stone than a lot of other schools (laughs) at the moment. But, you know, even those guys, like you mentioned, the ASU guys, like there's, the way recruiting goes, there's generally a plan, right? And there's not that many unexpected departures, and coaches are planning a year or two out and kind of message that to the players, and at least the good ones are in constant communication, right? Yeah. So, say even uh, Remy Martin has a change of heart, that doesn't necessarily mean he goes back to, to ASU. It could mean he goes in the transfer portal, a la Romello White after he kinda of pulled back from the draft. Mm-hmm. Or you know, go to the G League, go to um, you know, an international pro league. There's there's more options than there used to be, so it's not it's not as it, it's, it's not as simple as it used to be.
0: <laughs> no, no. And so we'll just we'll see, this whole off season has been strange. Even for Arizona, we've seen the players that they've recruited and got commitments from. It's not normal for, any, for anybody, for Arizona included. And Sean Miller touched on it. He, he spoke late last week. I think it was on Thursday. There was a video released by the Wildcats where he was talking with Brian Jeffries, and Miller talked for about a half an hour on a variety of topics, including this offseason and what they're doing and just how strange it is and all that. And there were a few well, – there was a lot, because Miller hadn't had any real quotes, I think. He hadn't talked to anyone since they – since they beat Washington in the Pac-12 tournament. Like, no one had heard from Sean Miller throughout this entire recruiting thing, through just throughout everything. And it's an Arizona video, so they're not going to press him on actually, like, ooh, what's the deal with Jason Terry? Or, you know, what can you say about this? It's not going to be... It's a fluff interview, sure. But it was somewhat of a state-of-the-program type of deal. And I don't know. I'm sure you caught some of the headlines, too, from that, Brett. But there's, there's a few. Are there any that you want to talk about yourself first? Because I have a whole list of them here.
1: I think the... The most intriguing thing that Sean Miller, since kind of breaking the silence and terms was talking about players, the most interesting things he said to me, I think, are his comments to me lend uh, to the Kerr, Carissa being maybe the dark horse to start in a multi-point guard lineup, which right. I kind of was inclined to think that anyway after having watched some of the clips. Um, like And kind of reading between the lines, Sean Miller's basically been saying, he's not opposed to having multiple guard lineups and playing more positionless basketball and put the best guys on the court. And to me, that's who he's referring to. Uh, the The other thing that really jumped off the page was, and you alluded to it, is the adding one or even two uh, Euro guys, which I think, uh, if I recall correctly, by the scholarship count, that basically tells you something about somebody that currently has a scholarship. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, whether that's, tells us something about Brandon Williams ability to recover if somebody's looking to transfer, we don't know, we can speculate.
0: And that's um, I guess where this could be holding things up. If you, someone was thinking of transferring or making that decision all this time this entire offseason doesn't allow them to necessarily make. A lot of people have decided to transfer, but some might have been waiting to see what their schools did and this just kind of delayed a lot of stuff for some.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> corona, coronavirus it <laughs> ruins everyone's plans. Um you know, I think that's the biggest takeaway. And the you know, there's there's been the rampant rumors for a while that there's another Euro guy out there that's maybe even higher rated than either uh, Bacho or Carissa, which would be intriguing depending yeah. on how how the fit is. You know, it, it it gives another option, and suddenly you're looking at a roster that you know a couple months ago you're saying, oh boy, there's no depth here to gosh, maybe we have too much depth again.
0: Well, and that kind of leads into some of the other stuff Miller said. He commented that Jamal Baker was playing at about 80% last season, that he was still recovering from a knee injury. Whether that's true or not, I guess we'll find out going forward if Baker gets more healthy because he's one of the odd men out in that guard rotation. Well, if he was only at about 80%, if he's actually a better player than we saw, then, of course, he'll find a role because he has experience in the system now. Miller will trust him more especially early. Uh, Mentioned Jordan Brown who we haven't heard him talk about Jordan Brown really at all, and he mentioned that he has really high expectations for Jordan Brown, being a double-digit score, filling in for uh, Zeke Nagy, which is interesting because we talk about Miller has had a look at Jordan Brown the entire all season. He had an all season. He got to see what this kid had to offer, and his, his spot minutes at Nevada didn't show much. And, just be- and he was a five-star kid in high school, but that doesn't mean he's going to be great in college or very good in college. We know that. So the only collegiate basketball uh, Jordan Brown played was not particularly impressive. Yet Miller went out, and he's saying, just talking Jordan Brown up. And there's, there's no harm in that right now, sure. But Miller's also not necessarily one to just totally, well, he doesn't necessarily blow smoke up people's asses when it comes to praising players. Like he's usually, there's always a kernel of truth in what he's saying. So if he's confident in Jordan Brown that could come in and be a four or a five for them next season, that means something. Because, he again, he's had a, an entire season to look at Jordan Brown to get a feel for what he can do. I'm practicing against Zeke Naji, you know, and doing all that. So that's at least one of Arizona's biggest question marks, if not their biggest question mark right now was their front court. And if Jordan Brown is as good as Miller is alluding that him, use your words, Adam, if he's as good as Miller's alluding to, then, then Arizona will be fine there.
1: Yeah. You call yourself a writer, not a talker. I,
0: yourself I, I use words. <laughs>
1: um, no, I think that's a great call out too. I'd actually almost forgotten about that. Cause that was the other thing that kind of jumped out. Um, you know Jordan Brown was a McDonald's All-American, I believe. Yeah. You know, f- for a reason. But to your point, he never showed that much at Nevada. Granted, I'm pretty sure that was a pretty stacked Nevada team. So it there, was, know, yeah, and they don't play you know, freshmen. It was. It was one of those situations where you know he maybe wouldn't have gotten as many. He wouldn't have got as many minutes as he had gone somewhere else. Uh, granted, we were, I think, one of the three finalists along with Cal, and mm-hmm. maybe he didn't get that many minutes in Arizona at that time either. But. Um, that what that also did jump out. I think that's a great a great call out on your part. Thank you. Uh, cuz we don't know where the low post to offense is going to come from at this point uh, cuz it's probably not Ira Lee, right? Uh Bacho's an unknown quantity. Mm-hmm. Coloco has, you know, the intriguing potential plus we just need to, you know, maybe hold him back a little bit just so that everyone else has a fighting chance. Of course, yes. Um, but you know, there's a there's a non-zero chance that you know, Maybe we go with Jordan Brown at the 5, because every, all the word is that he's you know a tough guy, tough defender, and he's, he, I think he's 6'11". 6'10, I think 6'11, he's a 6'10", yeah. Which is, you know, that generally works as a center position, and he doesn't strike me as a, a stretch 4 or 5, right? No, I don't think um, so. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how Sean Miller approaches this in terms of balancing offense and defense. Uh, and how he's going to run the offense as well, right? Because if you're running a more positionless offense, you say he says that, but you still have clearly defined post players and clearly defined perimeter players on this roster as I see it. There's not a lot of flexibility there. Um, so how those minutes get allocated is going to be intriguing.
0: Well, and it's going to be largely dependent on how the guys play too, right? Because there's so many... New faces, so top, many guys. Take and, from Adam. Yeah, you know, that's what you get here at Wildcat Radio 2.0. But we're trying to pencil guys into roles, but we don't know what roles they can fill yet. And that's for Miller to figure out. But, again, like, there's guys that he has seen. He's seen Jamal Baker in practice, knows what he can do, or at least has a feeling if he thought he wasn't playing at 100% last season, knows what Jordan Brown can do, right? Like, there are certain players that have experience, that have roles that you can kind of slide them into, if they are good enough to fill that. And the only one who knows for some of these guys is Sean Miller and that coaching staff. So like he talked about using three guard lineups, that makes sense, especially with some of the guys, the wings, if you count Dalen Terry as a guard, then he's a pretty, he's a big guard. Ben is a big guard. You can do stuff like that. Um, Another thing Miller did say, this isn't really so much news, but just a perspective, but he did say that he did not feel like last season. Well, he thought last season was a success And he talked about the things that we have where it's like they had their ups and downs, but maybe they're hitting their stride at the end. They beat Washington in one of their most complete games of the season in the Pac-12 tournament, and the team's ceiling was still very, very high. Now, I don't know if there's any Arizona fan who will agree with him that last season was a success, but at the same time, maybe that's just Miller's way of saying you can't call it a failure either because it never had a chance to be really anything either way. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I, oh, man, I, I'm, I'm ready to put a bow on last season just because <laughs> we, you'd say they ended with a great win at Washington in a complete game, whereas two days earlier, they lost to the same exact Washington See, team. See, they were getting better. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> That's that is a step a, forward. That is a steep trend line between those two <laughs> points. Um, you know, I, I think that's, I don't think he's wrong, but I don't think he's right. I think that yeah. goes back to what we've talked about, where it's that last year's team was a Rorschach test until you got to March and then... You know, the the March Madness tournament and the rest of the Pac-12 tournament got taken away from us, so it'll be one of the great unknowable things.
0: Yeah, but everything else, mentioned that Kristen Coloco not getting to work out with the program over the offseason is hurtful because that's a guy who could pick up some weight and really learn a lot, and also mentioned James Akinjo just expects a lot of toughness from him and is confident that the reputation the guard got while at Georgetown may not be accurate for who he'll be in Tucson, which... Yeah, we'll see, right?
1: Did you see, I think Georgetown now has had five guys transfer out in the last, like, 12 months.
0: Makes me like maybe it wasn't all akinjo. Perhaps. <laughs> Who knows? But but that's, this is always the time for Arizona basketball, not the most exciting time. But these this time of year, usually, you kind of start to see how the roster would take shape, right? Like, this is what we're doing. We look and say, ooh, they might have too much talent now. And this guy can fit in this spot. And this guy can be that and whatever. And, yeah, right now we're not wrong. It's, that's the beauty of the off season, especially when Arizona, where a month ago we didn't know what type of roster they'd have, now they have a roster where we can look at it and say, hey, if this goes right or if this guy is ready to play at this level or if Carissa is more polished and more ready than people think, they could have really good three-guard lines with shooting, with defense, with driving ability, with passing so you know, I think Miller's gonna have a media press conference at some point in the near future. I think I read that somewhere where he's gonna do that, which will be good because he'll get different questions from traditional members of the media than he would Brian Jeffries. Not that Brian Jeffries did anything wrong, just it's a different conversation when you're a reporter or when you're paid by the school to talk to the head coach. But certainly with Arizona basketball, the outlook right now is better than it would have been four weeks ago. And from where the season ended as abruptly as it. I guess one other thing, they did have a virtual visit with a five-star recruit for 2021, Paula Bonchero, Seattle kid, who they recently offered because of the Jason Terry thing, you figure. So Arizona's not done trying to get five-star players. They're just maybe trying to get the right ones. So, cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for the show today. <laughs> <laughs> There's We're going to get actually. We're going to have some time. We're going to do some football depth chart. We're going to be doing those over the summer, go over the football team and just what they have because they haven't been that good lately, but maybe there's more talent on this roster than we think. We'll break that down. But before we do that, Brett, let's do football got another recruit. Hey, hey. Remember when the Wildcats were like the only school that had no one committing to them?
1: Yes, I do.
0: Yeah, well, now they got another linebacker, Jackson Bailey from Texas. So that's cool. They have two recruits, I think, or do they get a third at some point?
1: I think it's just those two, and they they It's interesting because they're both seem to be guys that are not necessarily super highly rated, but uh, have good film. And people say that in a world of non coronavirus, their recruitments likely would have taken off a little bit more because you know they can go to camps. Some guys are later developing, and they both seem to be a little bit tweeners. Uh, the new guy, the, uh, Jackson, I forget his last name, Bailey. Already. Bailey, yeah. Um, you know, he seems to be more like the guy we're not sure if he's going to be outside linebacker who grows into a D end uh, as opposed to the, the safety that might grow into a linebacker. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, both of these guys strike me as interesting balls of clay for the supposed uh, talent developers and schemers that the new coaching staff on the defensive side are, are ostensibly planned to be. So, again, you can kind of see how they're they're planning things out. Plus Lord knows we need to have some guys, uh, a, new, a fresh infusion of talent on the defensive side. And let's be realistic. Our, uh, you know, one of our linebackers that was promising coming in Jabbar triplet towards Achilles. Yep. And then we have a lot of guys, uh, graduating after this coming season. Uh, so, you know, getting some guys that at least could project to, to be a linebacker. I, I can't imagine we're going to be done at that position. Cause we're going to need some more. Um, but you know they seem like nice, solid ads at this point.
0: Yeah, and the one thing I would caution also: these are 2021 commits. And to your point, maybe if they had the camps and everything, their recruits would blow up differently. And until they sign their letters of intent, then then they could always go somewhere else, right? But it is a little bit of momentum for a program that could use some. Because again, it was just it was never going to be a situation where they didn't have any commitments. But when they were like the only Power Five school to not have a commitment, is like. Oh geez, really? Like, even though you know it's not going to last, like that—that's not fun to hear. It's—it doesn't matter, but it's just not—it's not a positive look.
1: Well, it, to analogize for Wildcat fans, it could be: was it was it at Devon or Dutriebe that was the first one to commit after uh, the ESPN story for the basketball program that basically made it okay to commit to Arizona yeah. basketball? You know, I think whether whether or not we like it, the bungling of Kevin Sumlin's. Uh, status by our ad in the public sphere has been sh- assuredly used against us on the recruiting trail repeatedly which is to say if we don't probably get to six wins you know we talked about it last week hello uh paul rhodes head coach at, mm-hmm. by the end of the season um but getting some guys on the board it starts to at least have people you know gets that monkey off the back and says hey at least this, these people are seeing some reason to uh want to commit here and know that there's going to be a path forward right
0: yeah and to your point it might just be the playing time for someone who plans on coming in as a linebacker seeing what's leaving after this next season what's going to graduate what's going to move on there's playing time in theory now it's not like basketball you could just usually walk in as a freshman and make a huge impact but it does happen and you're more likely to have a chance on special teams and everything like that if you come into a place where they need you and now the key for arizona will be not only adding more recruits ideally more you know maybe some four stars in there too but keeping them and the way they keep them is by winning games right because they're committing to a coaching staff that we both know may not be around for the 2021 season so it's i'm not excited about them getting commitments but i'm relieved and to your point brett it does make it 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 probably does give something like, hey arizona's fine (laughs) Like, like it's You can commit that it's still a football program. Go there if you feel like you could develop and get the education you want. Right. It's there's no shame in committing to Arizona right now.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you need to get the ball rolling. Like we talked about before, quarterbacks are usually who commit earliest in these classes anyway. And that's where a lot of teams had those, the the quarterback spots tied up. So at least gets a little bit of momentum going uh, on the recruiting trail. You know, you would hope that if we start the season, and we start to pick up some wins early on. That maybe helps more more than in most years our recruiting efforts to be like, if you start two o, three o, four o, you know, suddenly Kevin someone's job looks safer the next year or two, right? And that that maybe makes people feel a little more comfortable about committing. Yeah. But until then, and we don't even know what if or when those games will be happening yet. <laughs> you know, we're kind of all stuck in coronavirus purgatory
0: yeah but one guy who's not is J.J. Taylor that came out his contract with the New England Patriots he went undrafted which for a lot of guys might be the best thing especially if you're late in the draft you can pick a spot where you think you'll fit and have your best chance J.J. Taylor got a three-year deal worth at least $100,000 or guaranteed earn at least $100,000 over the course of the contract which includes a $7,500 signing bonus which was tied for the fifth most among New England's undrafted free agents well, his guaranteed money is tied for the third most on the team. So, and if he makes the team, he'd earn the league minimum of 585000 So good for J.J. Taylor. There's always those priority, uh, undrafted free agents that teams make it a point to go get, and they have to offer them more money. And you mentioned, I think it was a two weeks ago, so it seems like a really good fit for J.J. Taylor with a Bill Belichick team. Even without Tom Brady, it's still an offense that likes to use the running backs. And if you have a new quarterback, who could dump the ball off or rely on that running back to be an outlet, JJ Taylor could be that guy.
1: Yeah, totally. He could, you know, it's not life changing money yet, but boy, he can't ask for a much better situation to get put into to, you know, you have a good rookie season here. Suddenly he's got a five year career and you've got some life changing money potentially, mm-hmm. or for, for most people, life changing <laughs> money, maybe not by NFL standards, but you know, if you're on a roster making 600 K at minimum per year, and probably more than that if you get to a second con- like a second contract, right? Um, you know that's 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 a nice career for for JJ Taylor.
0: It would be. And I know we were thinking of saving this for our depth chart thing, but the other news that came out, Jamari joyner. Surgery on his foot. Great.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I guess it went well, so there there's that. But, yeah, not, not the headline you want to see in May, right?
1: I mean, rather in May than in October.
0: True. But he did not participate in the brief spring practices, so there was an issue there, and he finally had surgery. And I wonder, wonder if they just put it off while the hospitals weren't doing surgeries like that. That's probably what happened and why probably, there was a delay like this. But I think I forget where it says here what the surgery was for, but a stress fra- or a Jones fracture in his foot is what it is. So they're yeah. saying six to eight week recovery time, which if the se- even if the season was to start off like normal, he'd be back for the season. What kind of shape he'd have to work himself into, especially if you can't be on your feet, it'll change things. But it as of right now it does not seem like Jamari Joyner should have any trouble being ready for the twenty twenty season. Whenever it starts.
1: No, the more concerning thing to me is those kind of injuries, especially if you rush back, can be recurring. Yeah. Um I think it's more of an issue for, for the taller gentleman just because like those, the stress on the, the foot, foot, foot bones and joints get a little more pronounced. The longer limbed you are, shall we say? Mm-hmm. And I don't think joiners super tall, but you know, that's, that to me is the bigger concern, uh, long-term rather than just, will he be ready for the season? Cause I think he will be, especially if, you know, we may not start football in early September. Yeah. Um, so that might be, you know, the delay a delay in the season for him might be a blessing in disguise in that sense. But we'll see.
0: Yeah, just not not the story you like to see from one of your guys that you're relying on this season to take a huge step forward. But it's not like he's missing the off season because there is no off season. So,
1: so. I wouldn't say he's missing it, Bob.
0: But <laughs> so, Brett, we teased it enough. Let's talk about the depth chart right after this break. So, Brett, when you look at the Arizona Wildcats, there's not much in the way of expectations for good things. We've talked about that. Arizona won four games last season, lost their last seven, so that was great. The last time, it just hasn't been good. And you look at them and say, well, the recruiting classes haven't been great. Their last three have been like 11th, 11th, and 12th in the Pac-12. So it's like, what kind of talent is on that roster? Given that there's really no sports going on, we have time to talk about that roster as it stands right now. And, again, it's, it's May. So the depth chart obviously isn't totally settled in a lot of positions, but there are some guys that we can look and say that person's going to have a big role on the team this season. Uh, We're going to start off today. We're going to talk about the receivers and the quarterbacks. We were just talking about receivers. So we'll kind of lead into that. Jamari Joyner was going to be one of the key guys we thought this season probably still will be, but Brett, how does Arizona's receiver room look?
1: Crowded in a (laughs) word,
0: in a good way though.
1: Yeah, so the way I kind of approach this, and I I, for our listeners, I sent over to Adam just before we started recording. I took a little time to kind of take stock of who might be playing receiver, including some of the new transfers and freshmen, who like Brendan Schooler, for example. He there's been talk of him playing both ways. I'm going to assume that maybe he gets some reps at wide receiver, but I have a feeling he's going to probably be more focused on the on this uh, playing safety in the coming year, given we have had, what, five safeties into <laughs> the transfer portal? Yeah,
0: he's basically the only safety left. No, that's not true. We'll get to the safety depth chart at some point, but um, there's there's not as many numbers there, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, so I, I looked at everything. I kind of laid out the roster um, in terms of who might be playing wide receiver, I, ex- you know, I included somebody like Roberto Miranda, who may be a tight end, maybe a receiver, maybe John Wright, maybe a tight, uh, receiver, maybe a safety. Um, but I kind of looked at it from who's going to be impactful this year. Who, you know, basically assigning people who I think are going to redshirt, you know, zero impact. Mm-hmm. Um, look at what their what I what I perceive as their floor uh, in terms of long term prospects. What I think their potential is the whole room on depth potential and what the worst case is so it's a lot of setup but there's also what <laughs> i think i have 14 guys listed on here thomas reed the third brendan schooler tavian cunningham stanley Berryhill, hill brian castile drew dixon trey adams jamari joiner booby curry jalen johnson jaden mitchell dylan miller Robert, roberto miranda and majon Wright.
0: yeah but the nice thing and i'm staring at this for you and you can break down what we think of these guys, and we'll talk about it. But a couple of you know, there's a few seniors, there's a few juniors, a few sophomores, and some freshmen. So, if all goes according to plan, like not all these guys are going to pan out and be impact players, but there's enough there you're not having to replace. Like, if you look at each of those groups, each position group, or each, I guess, year that they are, whether they're a senior, a junior, a sophomore, a freshman, you could pick out a guy in there, you say, Yeah, that guy's going to be good. So, it's like when one graduates, or leaves, then no one is there to step up and fill in that spot as a number one receiver. Because last year's team, you could argue no one really put up big numbers as a receiver, but that's largely because Arizona couldn't really pass the ball too eff- effectively. So that's a big part of it. But just a few years ago, when you a couple years ago you had uh Poindexter, you had Ellison, you know, you had Sean Brown, you had good receivers on this team equal bit further back, Caleb Jones, Austin Hill, right? This Arizona Samaji Grant, this team's had good receivers in the past. It, I would say that they have good receivers now. They just have to be able to you know, show it, you know, with a quarterback who can get them the ball.
1: Yeah. So, I, I, you know, for I, I for this document I sent to Adam, I kind of organized it by seniority, just assuming that you know there's there's some level of the more experience you have, the more likely you are to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing, you know, the in terms of long term potential, the two guys that I put as the highest were Jamari Joyner and Booby Curry. Uh, Joiner, I think, is a little more proven, but now he's coming off of foot surgery, right? And Booby Curry has, you know, was highly touted coming out of high school, but he hasn't done that much yet. And he was right? hurt to
0: start the season, too. And by the time yeah. he got healthy, his role grew a little bit, but this wasn't, again, no one was really, th- Arizona wasn't really passing the ball effectively last season.
1: Yeah. And those, and those, so those are the two guys that I see as the best chance to be the stars out of this position group. Uh, and then right behind them in terms of potential. I put Jalen Johnson and Drew Dixon, but I also put their floors as relatively low because I think they're still unproven. Drew Dixon, to me, this is a make-or-break year for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a four-star guy coming out of out of high school. He hasn't done uh, that much, and you've got to think that there's going to be plenty of. He's had plenty of reps, and now he's going to have a, a, shall we say, a more passing-focused quarterback insist in and a system that might align to his skill set i think this is a make or break year for him to be to be blunt um i'm actually really high on jalen johnson i thought he looked fantastic as a freshman in limited action yeah um so i i actually think he and Bowie curry could and if you get jamari Joyner to stick around and not try to do something crazy like leave early to the nfl you have the makings of like that's a that's an intriguing trio to me uh, and they're big and that,
0: receivers though those guys yeah. they have size
1: and that's not even going into, like, I actually think Dylan Miller, the I think he's going to redshirt. Um, same with Miranda and Wright. But, like, Dylan Miller, I think, is 6'3". Yeah. Uh, you know, a guy that might, he, he's one of those guys that's either going to do nothing or he's going to turn into a really nice player. Maybe not a superstar. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Uh, and the, the, the one thing I think we also have, I actually graded, the, as a position group, the thing I gave a letter grade the highest was our depth. Uh, I gave us a B plus in terms of depth Uh, and as opposed to potential, I gave it a B mainly because like we kind of know what Tavian Cunningham is. We know who Stanley Berryhill is Brian Castile, you know, there, you kind of know what you're going to get from them. and You're going to get some productivity. Yeah. They're solid
0: players. Every one of them has been solid.
1: Yeah, they're solid. uh, But I don't think they're, I think what we've seen from them is what they are and what they're going to be personally. Um, So there's, but, I, and I say that not as a slight, and that's where I said uh, that my depth grade for them was actually higher than our overall potential, because I think we la- what we lack in star power, we make up for in depth as a position group. And in a funny way, if for especially a uh, a kind of football program like Arizona, there's a lot of times where depth is almost better than uh, upside, because uh, you know everybody has can usually make a pretty good starting lineup, even terrible football teams. The reality is you need to have depth to cycle guys in and out. You have injuries, like the Jamari Joyner's injury. Do you have guys that can step in and you don't fall off a cliff? Because I think that's the, what separates the competitive teams from the non-competitive teams. And when I look at this top to bottom, I I feel, you know, I don't know if there's a star there, and I think if there's anybody, it's Jamari Joyner and Boobie Curry. Maybe Jalen Johnson. But I feel pretty good about The the group as a whole, and even Jaden Mitchell, you know, the guy tore his knee up in high school, then gray-shirted, then red-shirted, had a lot of buzz coming out of camp. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's a guy who has some potential, but I'm not even sure how many snaps he's going to get given how, you know... It's a little. It's hard to find a seat in the receiver room, I feel like, uh, this year.
0: Yeah, and and part of it will be, again, Like I think there probably is a star or two in that group. Just You look at the type, I mean, there is a reason you think Curry could be really good. You think Joiner could be good. They're big, they're fast, they have good hands. Curry, in particular, has a rapport with Grant Cannell, who I'm going to talk about a little bit later with the quarterbacks. So there's potential there. These guys were fairly highly rated recruits, and I think... To a large degree, the main reason we don't see a star in that group is because no one was going to be a star on last year's team, not a receiver. The, the opportunities just weren't there. You know, I watch and say, did they make the plays that were theirs? Uh, Jamari Joyner made plays when he had an opportunity. Curry made some plays. Johnson made some plays when he had opportunities. Like there were, there were some mistakes, yes, but for the most part, these guys showed why they could become stars. Now they have to do it, of course. They have to keep growing. Just because they have potential doesn't mean they'll be good. But I think it's almost... I don't want to say a disservice to say there's more depth than there is start potential here because even depth at receiver, that's one area where I don't know how valuable it is because you're not actually cycling through seven, eight guys, key guys a game like you are on the defensive line or, you know, linebacker, some of those spots. And if you have injuries, yes, it does happen. But if you have four or five receivers you can count on for sure, then you're probably set at that position, you know, barring just a catastrophic amount of injuries in those spots. But I do agree with you. You look at this. There's a lot of guys in that group who you say, you know what? Even if you can't expect them to carry your team, carry your passing game, they're going to contribute in some way. So but they do need, I think, someone to step up and be that go to guy. And it might be Curry, because he's big, he's got the credentials, he's got the rapport with Grant Connell. It might be Joyner because he's got some experience being that guy. It might be Barry Hill solid it might be Castile who it's easy to forget led the team in receptions last season <laughs> like he had 45 catches only 397 yards and three touchdowns but he was reliable for them so I, none of the numbers from I pull up the stat page from last year none of the numbers jump out at you at all but is that a is that a sign that the receivers weren't very good or the passing game wasn't very good and I lean towards the second part of that the latter that it was a passing game more specifically the quarterbacks that were holding them back
1: or can I propose a third option there? Yes. Is it that you have an offense and the depth at a position group that it's going to? The, the whole intention of a Noel Mazzoni offense is to kind of spread the ball around, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of short, quick passes. Um, and I think I think we only lost one receiver, Cedric Peterson, from last year, right? Um, yeah. And Cedric Peterson, I feel like, is kind of how a lot of our upperclassmen are where he's like not the star guy. You're not going to win like a ton of one-on-one battles, but he's going to be a threat when he's on the field and top to bottom. I feel like every one of these guys, when they're on the field, even Thomas Reed, the third was an old walk-on guy that I believe earned a scholarship. You know that he's got some pretty good size. I think he's like six, two, maybe. Um, I could be very wrong on that. And, you know, feel free to call me out on Twitter for being wrong. Uh, on that. I
0: assume listen at six, two.
1: Oh, look at that. That was based on memory. That wasn't even show prep. How about that? I'm going to pat myself on the back for that. Follow um, you know we 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 dabbled in show prep this week for you listeners. Uh, but I didn't. We, we is didn't... such a
0: strong word.
1: <laughs> well, and when I say show prep, I mean, I just listed everybody out and said, "Yeah, it seems like about this for this guy. Um, <laughs> so you know and, and that's the when I look at this group, I see everyone there at least being a threat. Uh, to you know, to to the defense when they're on the field in some form. Yeah. Uh, and you know the difference between like Tavian Cunningham, Stanley, Barry Hill, and Brian Castile, kind of the the upperclassmen that I think are going to have, they're going to have a lot of impact and they're going to have you know, call it, you know, three to six hundred yards receiving a piece probably, uh, barring injury. I think that we have so many receivers that I don't think even the star guys are going to necessarily have huge numbers because it's going to get spread around so much even if uh, Grant Cannell is passing the ball 40 times a game, right? right? That means you probably have 25 30 completions a game. We're not even counting the tight ends or running backs on you know when we're looking at stats here. But the 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 real the real thing to me is the depth here and there's enough upside that I feel comfortable with this roster going into the season next year that they're going to be a net positive impact uh even with their even even if, if there are a couple of injuries
0: yeah and and that's a that's a nice thing to have though, for this team now there's certain things that could like this could be the most talented group of receivers, and if they don't have a quarterback who can get them the ball, it won't matter. see last season, for example, as hey, they might have been good all along, <laughs> and we, we just don't know it. It's the most important position on the field. Right. Do we, can we all agree on that? Quarterback? Maybe not in college, actually. In the NFL, yes. Maybe not so much in college.
1: Uh, that's, I mean, it's probably a little bit less in college than it is in the NFL, but it probably remains the most important position yeah. on the field.
0: Well, Arizona doesn't appear to have a quarterback controversy this season. Like, they haven't named a starting quarterback, but pretty much every sign points to Grant Cannell being the guy. A sophomore, he did play some last season, was impressive as a true freshman He's got the size. I, I don't have the, the same metrics that you have here. or
1: They're all in my head. Or any
0: metrics at all. But <laughs> it's also a, a smaller position group, so it's easier to just talk about them. But Grant Gannell certainly has star potential. And not in the same way we saw Khalil Tate with star potential. Khalil Tate was a great runner, a fantastic athlete. He was like If he could learn to pass the ball more accurately and read a defense, he's going to be really damn good. Grant Gannell comes in, and he's like, the guy knows how to throw the ball. He doesn't necessarily have the biggest arm in the world, but it's plenty big enough. He's tall. He fits the Noel offense, and we saw last season he's a good decision maker. Uh, there's going to be a difference between being, I guess, the backup, the future guy who maybe every fan wants and being the guy. And you kind of feel for he had this offseason to try to build that rapport with the receivers, really get a hang of being the starter, being the leader. I remember there was a video early in camp that they had of him, like leading practice or what he was doing as a quarterback. And like, yeah, that guy seems like a leader. The players rally around him. They gravitate, gravitate towards him. And that's what you want out of your quarterback. So Grant Cannell and even I think pro football focus has really good things to say about him. He's somewhat underrated because Arizona wasn't very good last season, but all the stats people, all the numbers people look at Grinconnell and say, you know what, that guy was pretty damn good as a freshman, and if things go in their trajectory, he could be really good. I think he could be a top half of the Pac-12 quarterback this season just based on his talent and what we saw from him last year.
1: I I kind of expect him to be top half quarterback in the Pac-12 this year. Honestly, I will not be surprised if he's in the top third, which is... I know you're...
0: It's a couple there, spots, but...
1: I, well, I, the, the, I think this year the drop-off between, like, one and two and four is going to be significant in terms of Pac-12 quarterbacks. Um, but, like, you know, quarterback meeting system is... is With Grant Ganell and Noel Mazzoni is, like putting a, you know, to quote Forrest Gump, a duck in water, <laughs> right? Uh, like, he fits it to a T, and I think he only had one interception against, I believe it was like nine touchdowns, I think, as yeah. a freshman.
0: Yeah, and that interception was against USC when they were getting when he was, crushed, and he, he, was, he was getting hit. Yeah. He was hit
1: as he was being thrown, I think that's where pro football focus uh, graded him so highly, because it was basically on, like, he had an incredibly low, even risking turnover rate because they he made such smart two. Decisions
0: two turnover worthy plays overall the entire season. I he wasn't the main quarterback but two for a freshman.
1: But yeah, but that also wasn't, you know, garbage time against NAU alone, right? right he had some right. those were some real real games he was playing. Had
0: that start against UCLA that they won. UCLA wasn't a great team and Gunnell wasn't amazing in that game, but he didn't put Arizona in bad positions either against UCLA.
1: Yeah. And you know, as much as we probably in the long term would love for him to redshirted you know, there's nothing like that like that UCLA game, like how valuable is that experience from a for a young quarterback in terms of learning a system, getting getting trust of his coach and coordinator and vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and to get a, to come out of that with a win is really impressive. You know, I, I the funny thing is he's I think he's like six five, like two twenty, and let's be real, he's still lanky and like not even physically mature quite yet, right? Um and so if he can kind of keep physically developing uh And you put the right pieces around him, and you 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 know Noel Mazzoni's offense is one that is is one that highlights. You know, if Khalil Tate was built for Rich Rod's offense, where you know passing accuracy was like number (laughs) not important, it was like a requirement. He turned BJ Denker into a guy that had one of the best quarterbacking performances against a top ten Oregon team for Christ's sake. That's true. Um, You know, in in Noel Mazzoni's offense, it's it's. It's more analogous to most uh, offenses, right? It's decision-making and accuracy, and that seems to be his two biggest strengths.
0: Yeah. So Grant Gunnell should be the starter, barring any type of injury or wild upset. After him, though, it gets a lot more cloudy because the only backup with experience is Rhett Rodriguez, who graduated, which is cool. Good for him. Good for Rhett Rod. He has experience, but you don't really want him to be your guy, which then leads you to... Everyone's favorite player, Kevin Doyle, right?
1: (laughs) Oh, Doyle rules.
0: He hasn't had a chance to yet. And then there's also freshman Will Plummer, who Arizona recruited from the Valley, from Gilbert, who people are pretty high on, actually.
1: Yo, Tigers, my high school.
0: So I I, I look at it this way. Last season, there was Khalil Tate going into the year, and it was like, oh, Grant Gannell, the backup in the future, probably. Gannell, if all goes according to plan, he's the guy for the next three seasons. So ideally, we'll never see any of those other quarterbacks, or we won't anytime soon, unless it's garbage time or what have you. But there's nothing behind Grant Gannell that you can feel remotely confident in right now. Like as confident as we both are in Gannell being a top half or even top third quarterback in the Pac-12, if he was to sustain any type of injury that'll keep him out for any kind of time, Arizona's not going to be in good shape. It, at least that way it looks right now. Is it possible Doyle, who I think is going to be a junior this year? Like I think, I think like he's a, red a redshirt shirt, or a redshirt sophomore. Yeah, yeah, it's like and then of course Rhett Rod is a senior and Will Plummer a true freshman. But there's not one of those, like one of those guys could not Retrod Rod probably. We know what he is and valuable guy to the program.
1: I think he's a redshirt junior to be fair, even though he graduated.
0: See <sighs> show prep. Uh,
1: well, I also just have uh some information in front of me on my screen.
0: That's helpful. <laughs> it's not even show
1: prep, it's just Show information.
0: Show reading. Anyway, as we <laughs> we're gonna pretend I said none of that stuff, but not, but but that's where it's at right now. Like two years ago, when there was no Grant Gannell, Rhett Rodriguez got the start at UCLA. He played admirably, but he didn't play well. He didn't really have to do anything last season, but last year there was Grant Gannell. So after Gannell this season, it's hard to feel excited. But of course, most programs would not feel that excited about their backup quarterbacks. So.
1: Yeah, I think, I think. Interestingly enough, this year's quarterback room, in a, in a way that is very different, reminds me of last year's quarterback room. How? In the sense, in the sense of there's a, there seems to be a clear starter. There seems to be a freshman that everyone likes, and if there's an injury, is it a short-term injury? Then you're just going to go to Rhett Rodriguez because you trust him. If there's a longer-term injury. You'd rather go to the freshman and burn the redshirt. Yeah. Granted, granted, last year it was like some weird blend of injury <laughs> slash incompetence. Maybe you know there was a, it was a little, it was a little bit more complicated as the season played out. But you know, like I think if he like just kind of you know gets the wind knocked out of him, I think you're going to see Retrod right. Mm-hmm. Um, if if he gets knocked out for a few weeks, uh, he being Ganell obviously. Uh, I think it goes to either Doyle or or Plummer, um, and that and that's where I say it's kind of similar to what I think it was going into last season. I think like you, I think you're correct where they don't you know, obviously you don't want to have your quarterback get injured. All the returns uh, uh, and initial talk around Will Plummer has been very positive. Mm-hmm. Even you know like a he seems like one of those three star guys that could you know he may not become an NFL guy, but he could become a uh, you know he has the tools and the the competitiveness and mindset to be a very competent college quarterback, mm-hmm. and that there's a lot of value there. And then I think the uh, the great mystery and the great source of some consternation on Arizona Wildcats Twitter, Kevin Doyle, is is the great unknown. Um, and if you're looking beyond this season, I'm not sure I'm not sure Rhett Rodriguez and Kevin Doyle are here next year. Uh, I think maybe only one of them stays beyond this season. If not both of them leaving for different reasons, Uh, you know, if Grinnell cements the starting spot and Plummer becomes the clear heir apparent and clear backup, if I'm Doyle, I'm probably bailing. Yeah. Uh, And Retrod, you know, can do a grad transfer route. He could probably go have a hell of a year at a smaller program, right? No one would
0: blame him for leaving if he did leave. But one thing to keep in mind, too, is now other than Rhett Rod, I believe every quarterback in that room was recruited by this coaching staff. Doyle was a late add by this coaching staff, too, if I remember right.
1: I'm pretty sure that Kevin Sumlin did not recruit Rhett Rodriguez.
0: Right. Other than Rhett Rod. Yeah. So that
1: means oh, I missed a, that. Sorry.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> they're bigger quarterbacks. They're meant for this type of system. I would imagine, especially based on the fact that Ganell figures to be the guy for the next three seasons, the next two seasons at least, I guess he could leave after his junior year, that Will Plummer would want to redshirt if possible, because that way it would buy him that extra couple years to be the starter as opposed to just following him in maybe one year as the starter, as a senior. But certainly, if you have four or five talented quarterbacks, all of whom believe they should be playing... They don't all stick around. That just doesn't happen. It's not the smart thing to do either. If you think you can go play somewhere else, if you're Doyle and you think you're not going to get the chance here because Ganell is the guy and Plummer is the future, then it would make sense to go somewhere else. Now, Doyle does have the size. And I know he was hurt too, I think, as a freshman, so that impacted things for him. But it's not, it's not the type of position where you want to need depth. And it's not the type of position where you normally could have great depth. But Arizona is in a good position where they have – what should be anyway, a clear-cut number one quarterback who, if he stays healthy, should be one of the better passers in the Pac-12, throwing to a group of receivers who may not have a clear-cut number one there but has so much depth and a few guys who could emerge as go-to targets for Ganell where this passing game could be pretty lethal. And it's, it's kind of this offense. like We've seen under Rich Rod, it was a running team. And their running game has still been fine under Noel Mozzoni, but they want to be able to throw the ball consistently with accuracy, and with good decision-making. Ganell shows that he can do that. With those receivers getting the ball in their hands, that's going to be only a good thing for this offense.
1: Yeah, with the, a lot of those guys that I said are kind of known quantities, they're those guys that also are not a bad fit in a Noel Mazzoni spread, the, spread them out, get the ball to the playmakers in space, get... You know, five yards and hope that they can break a tackle and go 20, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Stanley Berryhill, Jaden Mitchell, Brian Castile, those are guys that are perfect for those kind of things. And then you look at the Jalen Johnsons, the Booby Curries. Jamari Joyner, I think, kind of is the guy that can transcend that kind of slot and uh, outside receiver spot just by his sheer talent. Um, you know, it, its it's pretty darn intriguing, especially when you account for the... You know, we, we're not talking about the running backs today, but there's some talent in the running back room to make hopefully have a pretty solid running game and guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield. When we're talking about the quarterbacks, right? Okay. And and let's be real, a guy, a quarterback that, uh, you know, maybe looks to the checkdown more than Khalil Tate did. And uh, if you have talented guys in the checkdown, sometimes that's the right play. Like I'd rather get four yards and uh, then. I don't know, run backwards and run out of bounds to take a, a, you know, a non-contact sack.
0: But like, talking about it like that, to me, Grant Gannell has a chance to be a program-changing quarterback for this team. And I say that not because he'll be go down as the best quarterback in Arizona history or lead into a Rose Bowl or anything like that, but if Gannell is top third quarterback this season, Arizona's probably winning enough games to make it to a bowl, probably getting the six wins. And that means Kevin someone probably sticks around and has a chance to build on that. But also, when you have a quarterback who can get the skilled players the ball, talent's more likely to come to you. You're more likely to get... good. Like, why, why do you think Boobie Curry chose Arizona? In Because, yeah, he was recruited by someone too, when someone was at A&M, but his boy Grant Cannell was going to Arizona. And he trusts that Cannell could help him get to the next level. So when you have a quarterback like Cannell, if he does spread the ball around, does get the ball to his playmakers, helps them put up numbers... Why wouldn't you want to come to Arizona as a receiver when you have a quarterback who could do that? So if Ganell is the guy that a lot of us think he can be, then it's going to change the dynamics for this program entirely. Not just in the on-field product this season, but what their future is. Not, again, it's not a long-term future. It's at most three seasons with him as the starting quarterback. But still, it changes the perspective. And then if Will Plummer's that type of quarterback, or if Doyle, whoever is the next quarterback after Ganell in this offense is that type of quarterback, then you'll start to see more skill position, talent, skill talent come to Tucson to play in that system. Because when it was Rich Rodriguez, it was running quarterbacks, and they kept getting good running backs, right? But they weren't getting top-flight receivers every year. Yeah. Well, if their offense becomes a system that highlights receivers and gets them to the NFL, then that'll change.
1: Yeah, and I, I, it's, it's almost as if... Uh, we planned this very well, but I think I'm giving us too much credit that I think the receiver depth and and talking about the quarterback position in terms of building the program and that, that kind of, that upswell of positivity and, uh, you know, productivity, shall we say it's, you, you know, if you look at these two position groups, there are reason to be optimistic, right? Like even the, you know, none of them are graduating uh, of any, in terms of the quarterback room in the receiver room, only, you know, Thomas Reed, Brendan Schooler, if he plays receiver, and Tavion Cunningham are grad. we have got the star guys that are younger. The quarterback room, the, the most, the highest upside guys are younger. If you bring in some more talent, to your point, you know, in the next recruiting class after this, after you kind of establish Grant Cannell you throw a, you know another four-star recruit or two in the receiver room, boy, that depth looks even better because you've got all these guys that are, you know, seniors uh, and juniors you know stanley Berryhill, brian castile trey adams drew mm-hmm. Dixon, jamari joiner booby curry jalen johnson
0: someone's looking uh, at his chart
1: you know yeah i can read <laughs> um you know like suddenly you say hey there's both talent depth and experience there at both position groups and you can see if you know we've we've half jokingly referred to trusting the, pro- the trust the process right mm-hmm. um if you were going to pick two position groups that showed the, the process, kind of you can see that path forward to success in these two position groups.
0: Yeah, and they, these two position groups go hand in hand, right? Receivers don't look good if the quarterbacks aren't productive. And, of course, if the quarterbacks are really good, they can make receivers look better. It's, they're not the only ones on offense, and we'll talk about offensive line and running backs in another show. But, yeah, at, at least for these two positions, Arizona seems to be set not just to be good this season, but to be productive in the seasons to come. And that's, that's how you build a program. It's not, you can't just do it year by year. You need to have guys who are going to be around for a couple of years and be productive because then you, they help attract more talent, and it's also the continuity is nice to have. So I do believe, if nothing else, there's going to be a lot more confidence in the quarterback position going into this season than there was last season based on who the starter projects to be. So... We'll see what that turns into, but there's a lot of hype surrounding Grant Cannell, not in the, he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated, in the Heisman, but more like, yeah, this guy could be, he could be pretty good.
1: Yeah, and there's been no evidence that he is likely to scramble backwards 30 yards and then throw the ball backwards while being sacked to the other team. So that's a good thing, good sign.
0: So far, I can just picture like one of the first pass rushes that happens in like week one or week zero, whenever their first game is going to end up being, where he runs like twenty five yards backwards and then runs out of bounds. <laughs> <And> I just, <laughs> you just see camera pants to Brett Barry, and you just have your hand, like head buried in your hands. You're like, oh no, 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 no.
1: You know what you sound like right now, Adam Green, an Arizona Wildcat fan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that'll do it for this week's position group breakdown this was positive these are good position groups I don't know which ones we'll do next week we'll figure that out in the next you know week or so we got time maybe we yeah. can do defense or we'll alternate or something or you know just see how we're feeling the good news tell us, wait, thing.
1: tell us what you want to hear about guys yeah maybe, we, yeah may, we could we could do a maybe we could change it up for some groups and do like a good cop bad cop and one person take the positives one person take the negatives
0: that's that's a possibility but otherwise, yeah. If you guys have any topic ideas, tweet them to us at Wildcat Radio AZ. That's our station Twitter account. Let us know what you want us to talk about. That'd be good. And make sure you're listening to us in all the different ways you can listen to our show. I know we're on iTunes because that's how I listen. Where else are we, Brett? Do you know?
1: <laughs> kind of <laughs> wherever you can get your podcasts. That's my cop out answer. Nice. <laughs>
0: thank you for listening and until next week remember to bear down
1: bear down